Hi, I'm Gary Bates, and today I'm with Lita Kosner, who is CMI's New Testament specialist. G'day, Lita. Hello, Gary. So uh, we've written a lot of uh, articles together over the years, and um, of course, one of the uh, questions we often get, not only from skeptics, but new Christians, is kind of like this. And I, I had this too, this question, you know, back when Noah was a boy and I first became a Christian, uh, is the God of the New Testament, you know, Jesus is God incarnate, different to the God of the Old Testament? Let me qualify that. Jesus is all about love and forgiveness and mercy. And then in the Old Testament, you know, we see God in instructing the, the Israelites to go and wipe out the Amalekites and the Canaanites. So are we talking about two different gods? Is there a contradiction in the, uh, in the scriptures there? A lot of people frame it like that, but that's really a misconception. Even the, in the Old Testament, there's an emphasis on God's mercy, on his graciousness, on his forgiveness of his people's sins. And in the New Testament, there are statements about God's judgment and his righteousness. And even Jesus, who is obviously very loving and gracious, and he's actually the reason a lot of people see a contrast between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. He actually had a lot of things to say about judgment. In fact, he said more about hell than anyone else. Right. As, that's a heads up, right? <laughs> that there is an eternal punishment waiting if, uh, if we don't accept Jesus. Let's talk specifically about some examples in the Old Testament. Uh, often I find when I read sceptical arguments when they write to us, they actually don't read the scriptures for themselves. They kind of take a sound bite, run with it. Wouldn't it be good to actually look at the context of what's going on uh, with the Canaanites? So, you know, put that into context. What were they like? Well, I think it's important to note that God was incredibly patient with the Canaanites and the other people in the region that became Israel. So let's take, for instance, the Amorites, who were a people group who were around in um, Abraham's day and who were wiped out in the conquest in Joshua's day. So in Abraham's day, the Amorites are referenced and God tells Abraham, I'm going to give this land to your descendants, but I'm not going to give it for 430 years because the sin of the Amorites have, has not reached its fullness. It hasn't, it hasn't come to maturity. That means that God was being patient with the Amorites for 400 years. He was patient with their sin. He allowed them a chance to repent, to turn from their wicked ways. And we know from Nineveh, if the Amorites had, uh, if they had repented, he would have forgiven them. But they didn't. And so at, at a certain point, God had to judge them. So they, they worshipped a false god called Moloch, yes. right? I mean, this was one of the things about the nations. They had idols, false gods. Uh, don't want to upset our listeners, but just we need to be descriptive. What was one of the, the worst things, for example, the Canaanites did in their day? Well, they had this um, metal god called Molech. The idol was made out of metal. And they would actually heat this idol up until it was red hot. And they would sacrifice their children to this idol by putting it, them in its arms while it was red hot. And the child would burn alive. And this was thought to be a, a sacrifice that would be pleasing to Molech. God told the Israelites very specifically, he had a general prohibition on idolatry, but he specifically said, do not make your son or your daughter pass through the fire. Do not sacrifice them to Molech or the person who does that. I will cut him off from Israel. Right. So uh, this is another topic we could discuss, but uh, 
So they did not acknowledge the God of the Bible. They accepted a false God that led them to these terrible practices that by any standards we could look at today and say burning a, a baby on a, you know, a hot, uh, hot metal would be uh, disgraceful. But hey, today in this country and other Western countries, we sacrifice millions of unborn children and it's culturally acceptable. Um, Christians don't agree with that, but cr people who are not Christians obviously accept a different cultural norm. And doesn't that get back to the basis of the issue that if you don't believe in a God to start with, like the skeptics, they're making a judgment about God. They're criticising him and his rules, but they don't accept that there's a God to start with. It's a little ironic. It's sort of like being mad at Santa Claus for giving the rich <laughs> kids better presents. Yeah. But really, without the standard of a creator God who defines right and wrong, there really is no basis to be morally outraged about anything. Right. Uh, well, let me, uh, let me throw one at you because I've used that when people come up and challenge me at, at, at meetings and they say, well, hang on, we can be just as moral as you Christians. So they can be moral. An atheist can be moral. An evolutionist who doesn't believe in God can be moral. But what you're really saying is they don't have any objective basis for their morality. Who, what type of morality are they actually following? Well, Adolf Hitler, for example, thought it was virtuous in the interest of his nation to wipe out Jews and the handicapped and the inferior. So evolutionists have often challenged me, well, we can make decisions about what is right or wrong and we might make a decision to be nice to our neighbour because it's in our own interest. But really... Uh, we'd say in Australia, aren't they having two bob each way? I mean, evolution's all about culling out the weak and getting rid of the unfit. That's what led to us here. So do you think that that, that argument they're throwing there is very rational, that they can decide for themselves what's virtuous? Well, I'm very glad that atheists can have a moral nature, that, that um, atheists pretty much universally think that the Holocaust was a bad thing, that Adolf Hitler was an evil person. Right. Um, and the fact that they can make moral judgments is actually a sign that they are created in the image of God and that like God, we make judgments between right and wrong because we're fallen and we're not perfect like God and we don't have ultimate knowledge. Sometimes our judgments between right and wrong can be wrong and that's why we need God to give us his standard. But the fact that even people who will say there's no God, we're evolved pond scum, the fact is that they can say, you know, it's wrong to murder a group of people because they're a little different. It's wrong to discriminate against people. We should have protections in place. Um, the fact that they can do that indicates that they're actually in the image of God. Right. We are his image bearers. And uh, we instinctively, what you're saying, is instinctively know, or we should do, what is wrong or right. But of course, a false worldview can desensitise you to all that. I often think about the soldiers in Hitler's day. You know, what was it that switched off that moral compass when they shot women and children and kicked them into a, a pit, you know, in the, in the concentration camps? Obviously being taught somebody is inferior or today being taught that, you know, a child in the womb is, you know, just uh, not fully human yet uh, can kind of switch off that moral compass. And I think that's why... This information is so important. At CMI, we give out information. It's a re-education in a way because people have been taught that view. So final question, Lita. You mentioned uh, Jesus talking more about hell, and I said, well, that's a warning to us. He's a loving God, right? The same God of the Old Testament. 
But isn't the difference here that Jesus did something about the sin problem? Yes, and we see even in the Old Testament, God is setting up the messianic plan, starting in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve fell, when they sinned by eating the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. So God is setting up the nation of Israel so that the Messiah could come forward from David's lineage. And so really when people say the God of the Old Testament is wrathful and vengeful, he's also setting up salvation in Christ. Yeah. So the God of the New Testament, Jesus, is not different to the God of the Old Testament. The difference is that through grace, Jesus has paid the price for that sin problem. We see sin being paid for and exercised in a different way compared to in the New Testament now. And so that's the issue, isn't it? Actually, the fact that we instinctively know something's wrong is really about the gospel, isn't it? Yes, and really the gospel is the answer to all of the the questions people have about is God a moral monster because God really didn't have to save ever, anyone. Um, he could have just judged everyone because we're all sinners. We've all done things deserving death and hell. And God's mercy in saving us and saving anyone is proof that he is very loving, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Well, let's just finish on that thought, because uh, often skeptics will write in and say, well, I don't rob banks, I don't murder people, I'm a good person. It's not what we do that makes us sinners, is it? If we believe, as you said, you referenced Genesis 3, we're all descended from the first man and woman, and it's actually our sin nature. So if you want to know more, go to creation.com, look at a couple of articles, type them into the search engine, is God inconsistent and uh, is God a moral monster? Now, we encourage you to subscribe and if you uh, don't want to watch the YouTube version, you can listen to uh, on podcast on your way to work in the car. Just make sure you subscribe to one of your podcast channels and we'll see you next time. <music>